What's going on, ladies and gents? This is Dorian. And this is Miss MVP. How are you guys doing today? Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. <laughs> uh, someone's already in the giggly mood. All right. I was told I was being mean today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't say that you were mean, but yeah, um, <laughs> you were definitely uh, on one a bit. I'll say that. That's a lot of jabs being thrown today. <laughs> I'm a little upset. I dropped my phone in the toilet. Ay, ay, ay. But you got a replacement on the way, though, right? And I did. And no, it wasn't the kind of situation that the listeners are thinking about. <laughs> it was a clean toilet. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm a little upset. It'll be here in a couple of days. So, deep breaths. I'm very dependent of my phone, I found out today. Yeah, as most people are nowadays, but, you know, just being able to pull away from it, I think will probably be a good experience, hopefully. Well, I got two other phones, but they're not like my phone. <laughs> it's, like sleeping, it's like sleeping in a different bed type situation. Like, other beds in the house, you're comfortable in the house, but it's nothing like sleeping in your bed. <laughs> true enough, true enough. Hmm. Anywho, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It was a, a easy Friday for me. Um, like I said, I got some stuff taken care of and actually did some stuff with my phone today. So, Oh, show off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's all good. All right. So we are continuing the Black Village series with this episode. Yes, we are. And we mm-hmm. are going into our kings. Yes. Yes, the black fathers. The great ones, the not so great ones, the ones that are here and the ones that are gone, father figures, all of them. Yes, indeed. All right, so I will go ahead and get into it. And uh, I will say as a black father, especially um, within the last couple of years, uh, it's been real hard to try to get through these times um, just in general because, you know, as we all know um, with all the things going on in America, um, especially with racial tension, it has been difficult and for someone that uh, is living in the South and and lived in some areas where you still happen to see um, the differences between the two Americans um, real heavy. Uh, it's been It's been a trying time uh, to say yeah. the least. What was um, a racial situation that affect you for you to bring that story up? Uh, just uh, a couple of things. Uh, well, of course, there, you know, just from looking at um, Ahmaud Arbery, um, rest in peace, and George Floyd, you know, having that, you know, having to see that. And then, again, like I said, you know, where I was, where I was living um, in the South of Mississippi, just seeing some of the... Uh, Seeing some of the things, especially with my um, with my job, um, you know, we were in my job. We had to go to uh, customers' houses every now and again, and just uh, seeing some of the imagery in some of the people's houses. Um, you know, not just and I'm not just talking about um, you know uh, people having a rebel flag up, but actually um, people having uh, sambo dolls and and blackface um, caricatures and um, I, what you I want to say, um, like porcelain, you know, figures. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, just still seeing that in that time and, you know, it being, uh, I guess you could say celebrated, but again, it is in their household. I'm just a guest, you know, trying to, you know, help them out with whatever I was, you know, doing at the time. But again, you know, just seeing those things is still kind of jarring. Of course. Especially for someone, you know, that grew up in New York, not to say that I didn't see racism in New York, but it's not as, um, as prevalent or as, you know, uh, seen as heavily, you know. But has anything affected you personally, though? You told me about that, but have you gone through anything personally? Um, I, I will say that I've been blessed where I haven't had that situation, like, directly uh, with me. But um, a fear I did have was um, not too long after um, the George Floyd situation, I was actually in Mobile on my way back home to Mississippi. And um, I was going down a road and dimly lit, you know, almost like a, a quote unquote country road. And a police car was directly behind me. And not to say that, you know, I was doing anything wrong. I was, you know, going the speed limit, you know, following the rules of the, of the road. But just having that police car behind me and thinking that, okay, I don't know what could be in that cop's mind. Yeah. Um, in, in general, you know, it could be, I mean, not to say that, you know, again, there's good cops, there's bad cops. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about that, but. You don't um, know what their triggers are. Right, exactly. And then, you know, just ha- having that vehicle behind me and, of course, with all that stuff going on and in my mind, just thinking about, okay, what if this cop decides just to pull me over and then sees that I'm black and he does, you know, and he may have some, some, um, some built up aggression or something. And then I could be the, you know, next life, you know, taken. But once exactly. he turned, once he turned off, you know, I kind of saw relief and made it home safely. And then, yeah, I, like I said, no big racism things directly to me, but yeah, just having that experience was just, huh, didn't like it. Well, um, a segue situation from that. Do you feel like you have the necessary tools that you need in life, whether it's actual physical tools or your mentality or verbal communication and excellent communication skills to get you out of sticky situations like that? Uh, yeah. 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 I, I know how to cold switch very well when it comes to situations. Um, I know how to keep my cool keep my calm, you know, when it comes to potentially hostile situations. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm not worried about that as far as communication. Um, Physical tools, uh, I will say, you know, I don't own a gun. I plan on purchasing one. Um, But um, I do I have several. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do have a... um, I do have a flashlight taser that I do keep on me from time to time. I'm not saying I carry it. I'm afraid of those. Look, <laughs> I I am a licensed concealed weapon carrier. I assert my right to bear arms as an American. Yes, I live in the South. And I got Texas blood and Alabama blood rolling <laughs> through me. So yes, I am going to carry. Um but tasers frighten the hell out of me. I don't know why, but they they do. Um, I've actually been tased before as a, um, not necessarily a joke, but kind of like a, a learning thing. I went to a self-defense class. 
Mm-hmm. And they tased everybody. It wasn't like the really, really high ones. It was a, a low one, a low voltage. But that was no fun. It wasn't the prong ones. It was just like you said, like a flashlight with one. You just have to kind of get close enough close, to them. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was not fun. I can still feel it if I think hard enough. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, with... um with your tools that you have um, that you say that you can navigate through life with that you really like, what Mm. do you instill with those tools? What do you instill in your children and the Um, children that come around you? Right. Um, Well, especially with my daughters, I definitely try to, um, the big thing I've been on this year is communication uh, in general, um, because again, uh, just from my upbringing and situations that I've been through, uh, whether it be personal or, you know, I've seen from the third person, uh, I want them to be able to communicate one, how they feel, um, one, you know, if they come up in a situation, I want them to be open enough to be able to come to me about anything. And I just want them to know that I'm always there for them. Um, and just to be able to one, treat people fairly. Um, regardless of how we may be seen, no matter how we may be treated, um, we still want to, you know, treat them, you know, treat people the same way. The golden rule, pretty much. Gotcha. You know, the way we want to be treated. Okay, so um, by you having girls, and I just said at the beginning of the show that we're talking about our kings. Are you teaching them to be? a queen in their right. Yes, not all girls will embrace that royalness right away, but being the male in their life, the dominant male in their life, are you teaching them to do that? Never tilt your crown or be sad. This is how a man is supposed to do that. Da, 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 da. Uh, to be honest, I've never really had that like direct conversation with my daughters in regards to that, but uh, I do my best to show um, how they should be treated by my mm-hmm. actions. Yeah. Um, so I definitely, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm striving in that area. Um, again, even with our, um, even with our, with the co-parenting split up and they may not see me as often, but whenever I have those interactions with their mother, I do my best to make sure to show them that, yeah, even though you may not, you know, there may come a time when, you know, they may have been in a relationship with someone, they may have kids, and, you know, they make things may not work out, but I'm setting the example to show that hey, even if it doesn't work out, you don't have to turn around where the person is dismissive and that the, that person, that male is playing an active part, you know, in their children's lives. Then, you know, there's some respect and, mm-hmm. and friendship can be shown in that. And it, in, in regards to um, like, well, yeah, like I said, you know, just showing them how to how to be treated and um, what they should expect out of a man. I did have that conversation with my oldest daughter about um, when she goes on dates, you know, the kind of things that she been, um, I be going on no date. <laughs> the kind of things that, um, that she should, you know, expect from the person that she's going out with, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, um, I know in our time and with, you know, the younger generation of, you know, the, the, the courtesy and the, um, the mannerism, man, mannerism, but I can't even think of the word right now. Um, um, like just in in general, you know, like a a man opening the door for his woman, you know, whether it be you know to the car the manners being chivalry, chivalry, yes, chivalry, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely. It's dead. Know. Don't worry about it. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. It ain't, it ain't that with me, but I know. No, it's not. So um, with that being said, have you, besides, okay, with the pandemic going on, have mm. they taught you anything about themselves? Because the kids are at home more than, more now than they have ever been, besides when we were younger. In this technology right. age, this is the most the kids have been home. So yeah. um, there were a lot of sports that were shut down. I know we were in the middle of baseball season, uh, baseball practice, actually, and it shut down and it cut the season short. I actually pulled my son from baseball. Uh, We did spring soccer. That was a big thing. Had to pull. We didn't even get a chance to do fall soccer because of it. So have your kids taught you anything? Have you learned anything from your children and vice versa? Because we're able to be closer to each other and more accessible versus, oh, I got to go here and there because of practices or games or meetings and so forth. As a Black father, have they taught uh, you anything? Uh, yeah. Um, I want to say the biggest lesson that I learned, especially from my oldest daughter, is, um, again, the, the lines of communication. Um, you know, we had a moment, and this was even prior to, um, prior to the pandemic, and, you know, we we our relationship was kind of tainted because of some stuff that was going on. Um, Mm -hmm. But long story short, you know, once she finally got it out on how she felt that I was treating her, how our mother was treating her, how we may have seen her um, and just actually actively listening to her and taking in, you know, all the information that she's given us Mm -hmm. and, you know, just having that um, for one, for her to be honest. And then two, for me to be honest and just open up and be like, okay, you know, thanking her for, you know, and letting me know how she felt and then just accepting it like, okay, the biggest thing. And, you know, when it comes to, and I'll just say in general, but especially for black fathers, it's not like um, a guidebook that we can, that we can go by. And Ooh, child. No, it's not. <laughs> I throw that book at some of y'all. <laughs> yeah, there's, no, there's, there's no guidebook that we can go by. And the best example that we can have is you know, one our fathers, if, you know, if they're one, if they're around, you know, um, grandparents, uncles, um, and other, you know, male, male, male figures that we have in our lives and just seeing how they interact with their children, you know, that kind of gives us, gives us the steps to where, okay, we see, all right, I don't like the way this one is doing it, but I do like this aspect of what he's doing. I'm gonna go ahead and mix that with the stuff that my father taught me and the stuff that I learned from my grandfather and mix that all together. And hopefully, you know, I, that that be that that becomes the best step that I can have as a father. Um, and, and you know, with that being said, even with the struggles that I was having with my daughter, just like again, just going back to the communication, just you know, just being able to. Um, have those open lines um as far as feelings and emotions uh for someone that is considered an extrovert and can be a little um shelled when it comes to emotions um you know that was the biggest eye openness and dealing with that experience with her has just opened me up to um being more open myself not saying i have my heart fully on my sleeve but i consider myself i i say i have a, a quarter sleeve on at the moment Oh Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so by you being in two male dominated fields, have you come across any other black men 
with things that they've struggled with. Because I know you guys have y'all quote unquote barbershop talk and mm-hmm. all this other good stuff where y'all can express yourself to each other without judgment. Mm-hmm. Have you come across anybody who have sh- struggled with things in their personal life? And of course, no names will be named. Right. Um in their personal life and you've given them advice and vice versa. Have you opened up um, about issues to get advice? Because the reason why I'm asking is because this is a safe space between us as well as our listeners. So there are inquiring minds that want to know because there may be someone out there listening who was not as close to their father, whether it be male or female, or it might be a guy that's listening who wants to a reach out to his father because of a relationship that was tainted or broken and feel like, well, he has my number or he knows where I am. He should contact me. But in actuality, the open line of communication works both ways. Yes. So, um, like in, in the situation where I was just saying, I, I had a great, awesome relationship with my dad and I know some people who had a not so awesome relationship with their dad where they may see them once every five to six years and speak to them just to say, you know, Hey, I'm alive type thing, but it's not, um, it's a lot of built up tension in the streets of black communities because of um, stubbornness, pride, and not being open enough to say, I miss you. I miss what we had. I miss our friendship. I want a hug. Let me come and talk to you. Open arms. There's no shame in that. And if that person wants to push you away, then you already know where you stand in their life. And that's where your healing begins. So back to my question. Have you (laughs) come across anybody um, like that? And if so, have you given them any any type of uh, word of advice or anything like that or anyone close to you? Um, yeah. Um, I actually had, uh, one of the buddies that, um, that I used to work with, um, he was going through, um, some issues you know, on the, on the family side, you know, not as far as like, but in relationship with his wife and just decisions that he was making and, um, stuff that he, issues that he was going through. And at the time I was going through my separation. So, you know, he, you know, it's something that we that we, you know, briefly discussed, you know, while working and he just reached out to me and he was just, you know, just pretty much just, you know, um, poking my brain, trying to uh, pick my brain, just trying to see, um, you know, my ideas and thoughts on them. And um, we had a we had a long conversation about, um, you know, uh, compromising and, you know, standing on your own and, you know, just being able to um, fully um vocalize, you know, exactly what, you know, what he was trying to get across and don't let anger get into the, um, get into the argument. Because again, we all, I mean, everyone pretty much knows that once things get heated, you know, some things can be said and can be taken out of context or you say some things just to be hurtful, uh-huh. um, you know, just to kind of get your point across. But, um, yeah, after we had the conversation, yeah, he, he, he came back to me. It was like, Hey, D, Hey, I appreciate, you know, what you told me, you know, that, that helped, you know, get me through, um, you know, a, a discussion, the argument that he was having, um, with his significant other and, you know, just being able to 
want to be there for another brother um, was just, you know, just a good feeling because, again, I've always been the type of person that feels like regardless of where we stand, um, we all have to be one and fight as one. And if we're mm-hmm. not able to um, lift each other up in some way, form or fashion, um, then, you know, we're doing ourselves a discredit now. Not to say that there will there always be those that won't listen. You know, we can't do anything for those, but um, the ones that we can have an impact on, you know, we need to we need to do that. And to just to follow on, you know, which conversation with your um, with your question about, you know, conversations um, amongst black males, um, you know, it's, it's definitely I definitely um, like to pick the brain of other um, fathers from time to time. And even if I don't pick their brain just um, from friends that I have or, um, you know, people that I know just to kind of get an idea of what they do, you know, with their families and everything else. And then this, again, we can all learn from each other. So I look at their actions. I, you know, I, I, I talk with them to see what we can do um, or what works for them, so to say, and then just kind of, you know, see mm-hmm. if I can put um take what they gave me and then kind of just put my own spin on it and see if I can, you know, improve our situation, my situation with my family and, and, and relatives as well. Okay. So with that being said, as a black man in society, um, a contributing member into society, do you feel like you are doing a good job? And if not, that goes back to the, tools that you need to succeed what is missing and if you have any advice for guys who are contributing members to society but feel like they're not doing good enough uh me myself personally um i feel that i'm doing a good job of course there's always room to grow um I'm, i've always been one to believe that if you feel like you become a master mm-hmm. at something um it's time to pick up something else um not saying you have to be a jack of all trades and a master of none, but, you know, we definitely should have um, multiple things on the route belt, especially in this society, whether it be um, multiple streams of income or uh, multiple, you know, different outlooks on life. Uh, we just can't be stagnant um, in mm-hmm. that regard. Um, and as far as the, the, the tools that I have, I think I have a pretty good tool set. I can always use additional tools uh, to back up the ones that I do have. I know some screws are loose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them, but some of them. I think it's in the back behind the ear. Some of them a little loose. But I got you. But, but yeah, um, yeah, I think I have a pretty good tool set and I, I do my best um to show um my worth. Um with I agree. Be, uh, either it be with, you know, with my, you know, either with either one of my jobs. <laughs> um, whether it be with either one of my jobs or um again just with interactions with people because i think that you know we all but we all flow off of energy and whatever you may be going through if you are able to give that positive energy to someone else that may be going through a negative time you know just your way that you look at things or just that moment that you give that positive energy can, you know, can, can, they can feed off of it and maybe be able to turn something around for them. That's what's tough. I, I agree. Um, there are some guys who, um, I used to work at the, um, one of the, the shipyards 
very male dominant feel. And it's a lot of them that I came across that you would not believe that did not have great A communication skills or to be over the age of 25 without the common the common um, knowledge that someone should have at that age. To me, um, because some of these, going back to education from a couple episodes ago, some of the education um, that the kids need to be learning, like common sense and survival sense are not being taught. They're ripping them out, like the different trades, like the automobile, Everybody needs, if you have a driver's license, you need to learn the basics of a car. I passed by going up and down the interstate, not one, but three guys had to be between the age of 19 and maybe 23, 24. They still look a little young. Sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire that do not know how to change a freaking tire. Now, granted, everybody did not have a successful um, upbringing. But once you pass that threshold age of being able to vote, you're considered an adult. Yeah. If you can go and sign your name on the line and pass the physical to go and fight for the country, you need to be smart enough to say, hey, can you teach me how to change a tire? Check my oil. I saw this... I went to visit my uncle, and I kid you not, this guy was waiting on his brother to come and change his girlfriend's tire. His girlfriend got out the car and said, don't worry about it. She jacked up her own car, changed her own tire, and drove off with him standing right there on the side of the road. I kid you not. Yeah, I mean, it's... Even with that... It's, it, it's, it's different. It's diff- this age group is very different. Yeah. And again, you know, I think that comes down to um, one, did they have a father figure? You know, not saying that they had to have their father around, you know, was there a grandfather that, you know, they could have been around or was there um, an uncle or somebody? I mean, and as much as we see in the streets sometimes where they want, um, we'll see some brothers, you know, go to the nearest drug dealer. Hey, man, put me on, you know. Let me, you know, give me, give me, give me a chance, you know, to, and they'll learn from a drug dealer, but they won't learn. Like you said, they won't learn the basics of survival, you know, from someone else. You know, it, it, again, mm-hmm. that just comes with priorities as well, too. But that that's also to um, that's playing on the families not being there for each other. Say Big Mama had five kids. Okay, All five kids. They grew up, they had three kids, two to three kids apiece. Those first cousins adore each other. Two of those sisters, a, a brother and a sister, those siblings, then fell out. Okay? Yeah. Now, y'all back at the family reunion or it's holidays or what have you, and now one family member is shaming another family member, the siblings are, and now the cousins are beefing because of something simple like, oh, you had to call your daddy to come and change your tire. Like, why is that such a big deal? Stop shaming each other and reach out and help each other. And I know everybody's not going to do, do this, but just 
keep your thoughts to yourself because you have to think about if that was you or your child. Now, granted, you still need to damn learn how to change a tire. Yeah. Check your oil. All of this. But just help each other. It's too many families that are broken up by shame. It's too many black men that are stepping away from family because of shame. Um, you might have six or seven kids by five or six different women and everybody's shaming you. But in actuality, and I'm, I'm not sticking up for the dead beats. I'm not sticking up for <laughs> nobody with all these damn kids that should have wore a condom, got a vasectomy, or the chick should have been on some damn birth control. Yeah. But sometimes it's a cry for help. That's an intention. Yeah. Like, I can't get nobody to love me, so I'm going to make kids who going to love me. You know what I'm saying? You got to look at it like this. Some black men are out there screaming for help and is being ignored. So another segue that just popped up in my head. <laughs> Do you feel like it's a stigma on black men going to therapy? I know Charlemagne kind of spoke on this on the Breakfast Club about therapy, therapy, therapy. I've been a fan of therapy for years. Um, but black people kind of don't like people in their business, which is fine. Yeah, that's been the that's pretty much been the black standard is yeah don't seek therapy but i will say i am an advocate for therapy actually therapy has gotten me through quite a few different situations in my life um and again i think it's just something that we all need because um i don't like how you stress that all (laughs) (laughs) no i'm no i'm being like I'm, i'm like i'm being serious like um we all have particular traumas or things that we go through. Definitely. Whether it's, whether it's small or big, but at the end of the day, we have to learn how to deal with those things. And if we're not finding the proper outlets, then we're only doing damage to the people that we interact with because you, because let, just for example, let's say, like you said, you got a black man that has five or six kids because he never felt the love from his mother or, you know, his or he, or he felt the love from his mother, but knew that his father went away or mm. would to, never to return. So, yeah, like you said, now he's having all these kids to get the love that he never received from his father. And if he's not able to confront that, face it, and learn productive ways to get over it, he's just creating a cycle because nine times out of ten, whatever he's learn he's going to show his sons of course sons and daughters right so and that makes a a real tough um decision on the um on the daughters like well if my dad did me like that then this guy's gonna do me like that the next guy gonna do me like that so let me do him dirty before he get a chance to leave me, and then that turns a good guy bad, mm-hmm. and then it's just a vicious cycle all over again. Like people are so afraid of being played. Not saying that anybody should just wait on being played, right. but everybody is so protective on being played that nobody understands when somebody is being real and genuine with them. Yeah, like 
everybody is so yeah very guarded like for instance um that god awful holiday is coming up some people call it valentine's day (laughs) (laughs) but um a lot of people are like i don't have a boo i don't have a boo well you didn't shed it on 12 dudes or you didn't check your your inbox or your dms and now you don't have a boo but you got 13 good guys that's not chasing you, so to speak. And, you know, like, what you going to do with them? Now you, you're mad because then nobody going to buy, you know, Dollar Tree chocolate and a little gas station rolls. Like, shut up. <laughs> but some people are extremely, um, extremely damaged. So when you, um, going back to all these kids, but you don't have them, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Say you did have six kids. How? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a whole fire team plus something there. Okay. Did did your blood pressure go up a little bit? Just a little. <laughs> so, um, they said one and three kids are born of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. How would you have a very strong odds with six kids? How would you address that? If say out of the six kids you got four that are um LGBTQ plus and all the other letters and acronyms and alphabets and symbols. Right. Um Pick I, one, damn it. <laughs> I, I honestly, um, and I yeah, I think we we briefly touched on this, I think, the last episode, but um, yeah, regardless of how my kids may want to um see themselves uh, loving a significant other, whether they be of the same sex, opposite sex or whatever, you know, the, their lifestyle is not going to um, be the main decision on how I treat them and love them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been one of been taught and I've just always thought that, you know, people are going to live their lives. And even, um, even the, the little kids, again, you know, we, in, in most black families, you know, we want to guide them in one direction. And if we and if we don't get those results, then we start, like you said, start shaming them and shunning them instead of embracing that. Yes, this person could be different from all the other ones that you dealt with. And again, it could start with the children, but I'm not going to turn them away if, let's say, my daughter wants to become a lesbian or my son says, you know, he's gay or, you know, decides that, you know, they want to be a queer or one wants to, wants to even be a furry. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not What the fuck is a furry? (laughs) I don't even want to know. We'll talk about that (laughs) off air. So I know most guys, especially black men, Mm -hmm. they, um, heterosexual men want their son to be, of course, their namesake, especially if it's their firstborn. They want to be their namesake, mini-me, best friend, and all this other good stuff. And it's all fun and games and cool when they're younger. Um, But then when the child gets 10, 11, and hormones and body odor and all this other good stuff, and then you find out that your son, I don't want to get hit playing football no more. Um, I want to get on the sideline with the cheerleaders. Yeah. Like, how do you embrace 
that going from he's dressing like you, and then I know this is just hypothetical for you, right. um, but how do you go from that? Because I think a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that one of my friends, he he came into a situation, something similar to this, where he is, um, he's a stepfather mm. and it's a set of twins and they are um, a boy and a girl. And the boy is not as heterosexual as he should be. Mm-hmm. And he is uncomfortable with it. Because he doesn't want to feel like he is trying to change him or don't want to be around. So if I'm kind of stumbling on my words because I don't want to kind of tell you how what he said. I right. want to hear what your opinion is. But how do you how do you feel? Okay, you walking into a situation, you're dating a girl, twins, boy and a girl. One, the boy is very when I mean feminine, like her um his girlfriend or, or whoever she is to him, the little gay boy mama, she includes him in shopping when she's going with her daughter and it's not to get boy clothes. And they're like 12, 13 years old. Hmm. See, it's uh, not as easy to yeah. process that when it's a boy. Y'all can do it when it's a girl. I'm listening. Shoot, go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that is a difficult situation to deal with. Um, but again, it comes to: Do you want to, even though the son may not be living to what you may have perceived or the expectations that you may have had for your son? To me, when it comes to kids in general, whether it's boy or girl. My mentality is this, or my actions, or my words, or my decisions, are they going to impact them so badly to where they may later shun me or feel like that they are not getting support from the persons that they're, you know, that's supposed to be their main supporters, their mother and their father. Mm-hmm. And if they cannot feel that they are getting the love, support, care um, that they're supposed to be getting from their parents, then again, this is just me, but I think that, you know, the parents are doing a major disservice to the child because, again, one, they're developing more issues than what they may already be dealing with, especially, you know, especially if the kids are black and um, for a kid to be black and gay is already a struggle. Um, and again, this go, you know, um, that goes with, especially if they try to figure themselves out when they're that you said like 12, said like 11, 12, right? The boy was at the time when they first got together. Yeah, they were like 11 and they're technically still together now. I think it's still kind of rocky. Um, and they're 13 now about to be 14, but how do you as a partner, as a black man, how do you go to your spouse, girlfriend, whoever, and let them know not necessarily that you're uncomfortable, but how do you address this with your spouse? Because I know if it was me, like, okay, 
coming from a mom um, and introducing my feminine son and my dominant daughter to a significant other would be kind of challenging to me, especially if you like that person and you're women, strong women. And yes, I said strong women come for me. I don't care. Strong women who value themselves don't have all kind of men around their children. Right. And like I said, what I said, come for me. I don't care. They don't have all kind of men in and out of their kids' lives. So when you introduce a man to your kids, it has moved beyond just friends. So, um, Dorian, um, with that being said, do you want more offspring? They overrated. But do you want more? I don't know why people keep having them. Um, yes, I have too. <laughs> um, I would, to be honest, I would not be against it. Um, um, yeah, I honestly would not be against it. But I think with even with the two that I have, uh, if I was to have physically, or you know, I got with someone and they wanted another kid, then yeah, I would be fine with having that additional kid but I'm also, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm also not um not gonna say i'm closed-minded to again if i get with someone else and they have kids already then i gotta you know treat them as my own so if they have the person i get with has two one two three more kids then you know i would mm. treat them as my own but yeah bless I, you i would have to <laughs> I would have to check, be honest, I would have to check my own sanity. Um, not not before I say this, I'm not against any woman that has three or more kids, but I know for myself that with the two that I have already, I'm perfectly fine with a woman that has one or two kids at the moment. And if not, hopefully they're not looking for any more because, yeah, I think my limit is four. Good Lord. Blessed be to all that are. I stopped at two for a reason. Going back to what I said. I don't know if I said it or not. I know I talked to one of my friends and I was told her, I said, I didn't want kids. I was damn that 30 when I had my first one. Yeah, you did. No. Hell no. I knew I was going to be the drunk auntie, get high, get drunk, buy you all the illegal shit you want, bail you out if you get in trouble. Yeah, you can spend the night at my house, but not be here for real. I don't care. But you end up pregnant. Um, you were you left in the middle of the night. I'm a lie. I'm gonna cover my own ass. That was my plan. <laughs> I didn't want kids. The Lord bless me with two. Um, but whew, okay, got it. So <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not. I'm, I won't say that I'm. I won't run from the idea of a blended family because at this, you know, in, in these days and times in this generation, it's going to be hard to find um, a woman, well, a woman around my age group that does not have kids. Oh, yeah, you're right. I apologize, y'all. I didn't mean to do that. Um, so, <laughs> I think we touched on this a little bit about 
the sex talk. You said you wouldn't give it a text sex talk. I was giving it to me forcefully. Um, I didn't want it. I didn't care about it. Um, so how would you, I want not necessarily details, but sit me down and talk to me and give me the sex talk as if I was your son. Go. <laughs> Put me on the spot like this. Um, of course. <laughs> this is live. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, unscripted radio. He's very unscripted. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, um, I I wouldn't know where to start, honestly, just to if I had to sit again, but it, it's it's a little bit unusual for me because, again, I have two daughters, so most of that talk has been done by their mother, and I just piggyback. And I think I, I think we addressed this on the last episode too, uh-huh. where I never had the sex talk. Yeah, most most of my stuff was most of the stuff that I learned was either from the streets or encyclopedia. Not even a psychopathia, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but from health education class. So, uh, I, you know, that's something that I probably would have to prepare myself for again if I did come, if I do meet a woman and we get in a relationship and she has a son. I mean, that, not to say that they're, you know, that the son's father is not in their life or not, but if I'm going to be a major part of their life, then yeah, I would probably have to participate in that talk too. But I would give the the actual father, you know, that opportunity to do that first before I even stepped in into that realm. Listen, I believe in the truth and the gruesomeness when it comes to the sex talk. Yes, it brings enjoyment, pleasure after years of practice <laughs> <laughs> but your first few times man man's hurt you know what i no no no, no. we're not gonna go there but you understand what i'm saying yeah so um yeah Mm-mm. the sex talk is definitely something that needs to be um written down in a book <laughs> it needs to yeah. be a manual <laughs> yeah so um my last question to you, I guess it's the interview, my bad. Um, why is it so hard for a black man, men in general, but I don't know if you noticed or not, but you're a black man. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank it's you for catchy. Know. But yeah, why is it so hard for black men to show emotions? And why is it so hard for black men to show emotions with their kids? Do you guys feel like you'll be looked at as being weak, especially well, with their sons? Daughters, too. I think you guys try to play the role sometimes as being hard. You want to feel like you're a pushover, even though we know you are when yeah. it comes to your daughters. Um, but because you, you'll say no. My dad will tell you quick if he was here. She'll tell you that helpful don't know what no is. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't accept that word very well. I don't respond to that word, and I'm okay with that. Um, I've embraced it, but most men try to act hard, mm-hmm. knowing that they're gonna buckle under pressure. But why is it so hard for you guys to show emotion? 
in relationship, period. Like you can care for this person and love this person, but then it's like pulling teeth for you guys to respond to it. I give it to you. Y'all got y'all got the rest and bitch face when it comes to relationships. <laughs> um, I my opinion on that is in general, I think it is just the way that we are raised is from a tradition standpoint, is from a survival standpoint. Um, you know, I think, yeah, we touched on, I think we touched on this slightly um, a couple episodes back, but, you know, most men, especially black men, are taught, don't cry. Mm-hmm. Don't show any emotion. You got to be tough. No matter what, you got to, mm-hmm. you got to be the one, you know, to hold everyone down. So, you know, even, even that being talked to us at a young age, again, can cause some issues depending on the type of person that they, you know, they find themselves coming up to be. And, you know, when that kind of mind, you know, when that kind of repetition is put into us, oh, you fall down, you better not cry. Oh, if something else happened to you, you better stand up. Um, uh-huh. you, you know, and especially if you you know, we're environment of a ghetto or anything else of that nature, or you had a street life and, you know, you cannot show your fear regardless. Uh-huh. And so again, I think it's something that's taught to where for us to have emotion or to show emotion is a sign of weakness. And, you know, and again, that comes back up to survival because most of us, you know, not to stereotype everything, but most of us grew up in the hood. Most of us grew up in the ghetto somewhere. So how dare you attack me like that, sir? <laughs> but, you know, just it just in general, I mean, you know, we come from that mind state. And if, you know, anyone that had dealt with street life, you know, they if you show fear or you show that you have a link to someone, especially if you showed emotion towards a female or kids or anything else like that, that, that was used against you. Yeah, it's a weapon. Yeah. So, in the hood, it's definitely a weapon. Yeah, so, you know, when we come up in that environment, yeah, it's going to be harder for us to show emotion and harder for us to try to get all of our thoughts off without seeming weak. And again, that's something we don't want to do. And like you said, when it comes to our daughters, that's usually when most men show the most weakness because, again, that's our daughters. It's just something about daughters where we can be as tough as we want to be. We can be in that face like, no, you're not going to get that. As soon as she starts, them little tears start coming down or that little pouty face come up, then it's like it wears off. It eventually wears off, but I mean, you know, especially when they're little, you know, yeah. You know, that, you know, it melts our hearts. But, you know, just to go back to that, you know, it's more so I think it's the way that we were raised, especially in, and I've and I've seen it and heard it from um, some brothers that, you know, grew up with that, you know, with just their mother, their father wasn't around. You know, it was always you better not cry, son. You know, you you know, you better be a man. And, you know, as much as a um, single mother or co or I won't even say a co-parent mother because the father is in in the situation of co-parent, but in a single mother um, reference, most cases, you know, the father's not around that much. So the mother's playing the mother and the father role, you know, Uh trying to raise their son. And, you know, it it, it can be difficult, but I think we spoke on this as well, that even if you are a single mother, it's still best for that young boy to have some kind of male father figure around with it. It is. Whether it be, you know, a parent, relative or yeah, close relative friend or whatnot. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I, I, you know, that's that's a battle that we always come to deal with. And speaking for myself personally, yeah, it's been a struggle for me to be to show my emotions um, as much. And, you know, not to say that it's because of my raising the way I was raised, because I was raised to show some emotion. But again, I was also it was more reinforced that you got to be tough. But that's I get it. I get it. This is what we're taught. This is what we instill. I call bullshit on it for the simple fact that when you know better, you do better. You know yeah. that you don't want to be stuck in the hood forever. So what the hell you do? You get a job. You get your credit semi-good. You move yeah. the hell up out of it. And you get your money right. Yeah. You can do the same thing when it comes to your feelings. And I know it takes a minute. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yes. Don't yes, come yes. for me. It take a minute. But you ain't lived in the hood since you were 22, 23 years old. And I'm just using your the age as an example. Mm-hmm. But here you are, thirty between thirty five and forty years old, and you still can't a hold a decent conversation with a female. B afraid to tell somebody you love them or let them in. That's some internal shit. That ain't just the environment that you were raised in no more. Right. Yeah. And you know, not not to say that. And again, when I say that, it's not that I'm saying that that's the whole harder reason. But okay. Um. Again, yeah, when it comes to that, yeah, it's, you know, it's something that we're taught. But just like you've been saying, based on the stuff that we've been taught, it's up to us to break, you know, that cycle Uh when it comes to certain things. And again, if they're if they've never been taught how to deal with those problems or how to. They weren't taught how to get the hell out the ghetto either, but they did it. They did it. Right. But I mean, and for some it's easier, just like with anything, you have some that are quick learners in certain areas. And for some, you know, they have to learn a different way. Like me, for example, like if I'm taught something and let's say it's something that has to do with electronics or something, I pick up on it quick. Now you give me something like, I want to say, you give me an algebra problem that I haven't touched this forever years. Yeah, I'm going to need someone to walk me back through it so I can kind of refresh my steps. And, you know, that again, that goes the same way when it comes to dealing with relationships. Yeah, you have some people that, you know, grew up in the ghetto and they, you know, they find a quick way to get out of it. But yeah, they were so focused on getting out of the ghetto, they didn't focus on helping themselves mentally. And they may take them to get out of the ghetto to help themselves to kind of break down those walls, break down those standards to where they can be able to like you said, have a conversation with someone or to show their emotions, you know, let somebody, you know, let someone in, let someone, you know, tell someone that they love them. Now, I have no problem with showing people that I love them. But again, you know, a lot of when it comes to conversations, I have conversations with people. But when it comes to showing my emotions, that was something that I had to embrace, recognize it was a flaw that I had and then work towards fixing that flaw. But again, that's something that you have to do within self. And a lot of people don't want to focus on self. They're too busy focus on either what people say or how they look or how they may be perceived Yeah, in the, in the bigger case. And I want to take a moment to adjust the conversation a little bit because um, I don't want to hear it. If you don't like the word ghetto, Take whatever situation you grew up in and insert it there, whether it be trailer park, whether it's a uh, 
uh, a multifamily home or you lived in the country, the wilderness or yeah, or you lived um, on the Indian reservation, wherever you grew up, wherever you want to insert instead of ghetto, slap it there. Okay. Thank you. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) I mean, because yeah, most of the majority of black people grew up in the hood or some form of it. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, for instance, and I'm, I reference this friend a lot because we talk frequently. We were talking about growing up in the hood because um, I was like, well, I was like, damn, we need to get that scooter out the front yard. It's been there for a while. And she was like, girl, we can't leave no scooters in the front yard when I grew up. Where the hell I grew up, you couldn't leave your scooters either. But when you know better, you do better. Yeah. You move, you you adjust, and you can live places where you can leave your uh your thin razor scooter on the front <laughs> lawn for three to four days and don't nobody bother. Exactly. Somebody might even move it closer to your porch for you just to help <laughs> you out. So I mean, you know better, you do better. So yeah. it's yeah. just it's just amazing how being around guys, um, how they can open up to their female friends a little bit more than they can their relationship. I have a friend. I know more about his damn relationship than I think his girlfriend does. But that's just we've been friends for so long. And right. I think it's I think it's horrible. And I tell him this. I said, why don't you tell her that, man? I can't. Well, break up with her. I love her. Does she know how much you love her? I think so. Well, ugh. You want me to tell her? No. <laughs> she don't like you. <laughs> you know, like, okay, well, I can't do nothing about that, but it's amazing how you guys won't open up and, and yes, I'm talking about black men, won't yeah. open up, but you will. Like, for instance, I don't care if y'all come from me, this means nothing at all, okay? I have a United Nations when we show up to family reunions. So it's like when it comes to inter interracial relationships, did I say that right? Yeah. Interracial, yeah. Yeah. I say interracial. Okay, so interracial relationship. Anywho. Um it's like a successful black man supposedly hits a big and the first thing they want is a white woman on their shoulder. For instance, they did a, a article a couple months ago where they had all the moguls, black hip hop moguls, and none of their women were black. None of them. And they're quick to holler about um, supporting the black queen and fist to the sky this and um, you down for your hood and you all about blackness, but yet you have a white woman on your shoulder. Now, let me say this. Not all white women are bad. Not all white women are with you for your money. There are some that genuinely love our Black men, and I'm okay with that. If one would not have fallen in love with my brother and vice versa, I wouldn't have my nephew. And goes on with my cousins and so forth. Hell, if one wouldn't have fell in love with, well, he's not a white woman. He's a, I mean, he's a white man. Wouldn't have fell in love with my son's grandmother 
I wouldn't have my son. So I get it. They're not, Caucasians are not bad, but it seems like black men open up just a little bit more when they have white women around. I don't know if it's because of the submissiveness that they say that white women have or what, but how do you feel about that? I think that, I think it does play a factor. Um, And um, I think I referenced, uh, well, actually, two reference. Um, there was a um, YouTube video I seen not too long ago where um, it was two dudes, it was two brothers, and they were talking. And then one brother, you know, invited his uh, girlfriend over. His girlfriend happened to be Hispanic, and then they get to talking, and you know, talking about how she looks. And then he starts, you know, going on on and on about how you know she's so different from a black woman. And then you know, his his homie had to check him and be like, "Hold up, bro." You're not going to be talking about, you know, black women like that because, you know, the same things that you're saying that's wrong with black women. You're saying the same. Technically, you're saying the same thing about your mother. Yeah. You're saying the same thing about your sister. You're saying the same thing about your auntie. But we don't look at it in that aspect. Uh-huh. You know, we're just looking at ourselves. And again, when you don't know how to deal with someone you escape to something else Uh so i think for a lot and again this is just my opinion um i think that a lot of brothers when they reach that apex the biggest trophy and i think this goes back to i think some of it can be um told it back to you know slavery and, and some of the things like that but yeah the biggest trophy is to have a white woman and again, like you said, like you said, it could be just because of the submissive part. You know, they don't want someone that's going to be strong and as quote unquote as they say, swinging their neck at them and having all the attitude. You know, it's something they you know they don't want to deal with. But it's just but like here, uh, here's the thing. Oh, okay, go ahead. But you know, just like with any relationship in general, if you're not having the communication, if you're not doing the things that you're supposed to for that person. And that's one coming to learn how to understand them, know how they work, know what their, you know, quote unquote love language is. You know, you have to learn that person and learn how they receive love. If you're not able to do those things, then yeah, you're going to have difficulties. Yeah, that person's not going to be receptive of what you're trying to do. And yeah, it's not going to work out. So yeah, you may have that black woman that's on your case about changing because one most women date the potential of a man they don't always see you know it, they see the potential first and then that's what they get attached to and then once that potential either the potential stays or they still see it may continue to to, to rise or it to, you know again may not ever come out but if you're not able to you know deal with the way that a person is loving the stuff that you need to do in a relationship, then you got a bunch of other issues that you need to, to figure out as well. And just because you get with someone of a different race as, as a black man, that's not going to solve all your problems. No, because it's every, not. Race, every race have their problems as well. Just like you said, with a relationship, if he goes to a white woman, what if the, what if the family doesn't, ex- you know, doesn't accept him? Yeah, you're right. But the thing about it is, and the women might come for me when I say this. I don't care. Email me at MsMVP at ComboZenBar.com. 
Um, <laughs> tell me all your issues. Um, women, black women, will be submissive for a man that is leading. Right. We will be a submissive for a man who is not leading, but he has to have what you said, potential. He has to show that he's working towards better. Right. Can't just be on those get rich quick schemes all the time. Yes. So if a woman is catching that black woman is catching her attitude with you, then like you say, on your ass, then that's a good thing. You should be happy. It's the moment that she stops. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's that you should that be worried. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just plain and simple. I'm going to be on your neck if I know that you're supposed to do something. Why? Why not? Who else going to be on your neck? Clearly, you're not, but I know this is something that you have to do. So if Black women are sassy and neck rolling is because we know that you need to do what you have to do in order to see yourself the way that we see you. So I will go ahead and say from all black women, we ain't going to stop the neck rolling. We're not going to stop our foot from being on your neck figuratively until you see yourself as the kings that you are. So if you don't like it, then step the hell off. Yeah, go find you somebody who's going to deal with your BS. But in the meantime, those of you who do, appreciate her as she's rolling her neck and snapping her fingers and calling you and saying, have you done this? Have you done that? She's not nagging you. She just wants you to see the vision that she sees in you. So that's my take on it. I know I'm not a black man, but um, I do. There is uh, since we since we kind of got into this area, there is one thing I do want to um, touch on and um, just kind of get your take on it. Um, mm-hmm. And when, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to you know when we talk about that potential, um, you know how from a black woman how long is that how long do you follow that potential let's just say now about to make this seem real um uh what's the word i'm looking for well, well anyway all right so let's say you are dating someone and they want to be a rapper doesn't exist they want to be a rapper <laughs> want to be a rapper how old is he all right, let's just okay. <laughs> let's get to that. First. That's true too. Um, all right, now let's say okay, mid twenties, mid twenties, getting ready going into his thirties. Long time, okay. <laughs> mid twenties and this, you know, going into his thirties, and he wants to be a rapper. You know, he sees, you know, all these. He sees all his favorite, you know, rappers. You know, flaunting all their jewels and everything else, living or portraying a lifestyle that they one may not be living. But that's another topic for you know, different episode, but um, yeah, you see him pertain, you know, pursuing his rap career. It's not going anywhere. How okay. long do you, one, how long do you support? And two, 
when do you serve them the reality check? So you serve them the reality check at the same time that you're supporting them. Okay. The same way you do your children. Like, you know your child is horrible at basketball, but you're going to be right there cheering them on. Like, baby, look, you got to have a fallback game. What you going to, what's your next plan? What's your, what you going to fall back on? Just like a parent and their older children. Like, okay, you don't want to go to college. Okay. Are you going to trade school? What you going to do? Like, what is your alternative? So if you are in your mid age range, almost 30, and you still pursuing a rap career, this is not to knock anybody who's pursuing anything in the musical arts. Okay. Don't come for me. So I would say, what is your alternative? How are you funding these studio sessions? Like, are you working? Are you doing this on the side as well as taking care of what you need to take care of? Because that's a lot of stipulations um, with rappers that they just, you know, they just sit around the studio all day. They trying, but not necessarily doing like, how are you funding this? This is going to be my first question. Like before you met me, how are you funding it? Because I can't fund your hobbies when you know especially if it's not any income coming in with it and it may seem selfish but i got shit to do right so i i wouldn't personally entertain someone who is that old and trying to still rap um but i'm not gonna knock it either i don't know how old everybody in the rap game were when they made it um, so to each his own in that, um, respect of their, their art, but I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it kind of, it kind of leads into <clears throat> one of the biggest things that, that I think black men deal with is sometimes when it comes to certain dreams, we feel like we don't get the support, especially from, you know, our the person that we're supposed to be with our significant other all the time as much. And again, you know, it's not to say that, you know, it's one person's dream will not be for everyone, but we do want to have that support, especially from our girlfriend or significant other, whichever way, you, you know, you're, you're both floats. So, um, you know, to that point, you know, do you, as, as, as a black woman, do you look at the bigger dream, the scope that you're, you know, that that's the person that your king is having? And do you follow that? Do you try to help him adjust it? Do you try to guide him in the right direction? Do you show him additional resources? Do you introduce him to, introduce to additional resources? Or is it just something like you see where he's going with it and you think it may not fail, so you just kind of stop him? Well... Um, he's going to need to have some type of additional career. The The year of the starving artist kind of fell off in the early 2000s. It's too many, in my opinion. This is just my brain and this is how I think. The starving artists fell um, back in 2000. Like, it's too many side hustles too many ways for you not to have any income. I can support your dreams without it being financially, but financial when it comes to a relationship, especially if it's a long-term relationship, 
financially, it could be a burden. And if kids are involved, that becomes even stickier situation. So you can support them from a distance, so to speak, um, and keep it going. But you, that is something that you really have to sit down and talk with your significant other about. Like, um, hey, honey, I love you. I like the fact that you're passionate about it, but these bills are just adding up. Like, we can do this separate, or we can do this together, but it shit still got to get done. So, um, if anybody got any opinion on this situation, or they are living this situation right now, contact us. Um, give us some insight on this. This is a, a a touchy subject when it comes to the the black man and the support system. Um, but I'm interested in it. That's my take on it. Like, what what we gonna do? Right. Because <laughs> clearly you ain't doing this by yourself. What we gonna do? What's your alternative? Yeah, because again, you know, when we come to look for that support, and again, it goes back to the kind of figures that we had, um, you know, kind of to wrap things up as far as that, um, I still, I'll just say for me, like my biggest influences as far as the man that I've, the man that I was, the man that I'm becoming, um, you know, all stems from. I had some. I had some good father figures, and not just well, father figures. Over father, you had your daddy. <laughs> I, I, had, I had my father. I had you know. I had both of my grandfathers before they passed. Um, I had you know. I had some good uncles. Um, and not just that, but also my brother. You know, it it is a big influence on my life. Um, just because of you know what they stood for, even with. Uh, uh-huh. Even with my um, my father's dad, who you know, kind of was that. Uh, I guess you could go back. Uh, they say Papa was a Rolling Stone, my grandfather was a Rolling Stone, and it wasn't until um, I got in my teenage years that I found you know found all this information out. But uh-huh. even that goes we- back. I don't mean to cut you off. That goes back to family not sharing secrets and shaming each other. But carry on. <laughs> You're <laughs> just making my point. <laughs> but, um, you know, even with that, you know, he was still there for uh-huh. both sides of, you know, both sides of his uh, family, so to, so to speak, both sides of, of the children. The, so Both sets know, of his, uh, his children. Children, yeah, both sets of his offspring. So, yeah, just to see him, um, you know, be that and still be... The upstanding man that I always saw him to be, you know, was a big inspiration again with my um with my father, who you know had in in my eyes, he you know he had his yeah he started off you know working for other people as a mechanic, but you know when I was growing up for a, quite a you know for a long time he had his own shop, mm-hmm. so you know just to see you know a black man having his own business you know was always you know big to me and then again just the life lessons that he taught me again you know and likewise you know so that 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 was always the biggest influence on me and then you know i say my brother more so because the inspiration of what he did yeah he went to the college route but you know he took all that um education and everything else and he's got a great life for himself so uh-huh. you know 
salute him for that. And, you know, just the other um, uncles, you know, just life lessons because it's some stuff I learned from the street, some stuff, you know, I learned from street street knowledge from them. Um, and, you know, sometimes common sense and, you know, just from their examples, I learned a lot. So, yeah, I definitely, you know, I definitely want to take this time to definitely shout out, big up and show respect to, you know, the men that were in my life that, you know, helped me. Do of course. That I'm that I am now and the person that I hopefully will become. That's what's up. I'm sure they greatly appreciate that. So I have a, a puzzling question. Oh, in our show notes, guys, there's a question. I've been going around this question all evening because I've been trying to figure out what's the meaning of it. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. So the God-awful holiday is coming up. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, some of y'all call it Valentine's Day, but who cares? So on these show notes, it says, if you're not the mother of your, if you're not with the mother of your children, do you still find it respectful to get a gift or be nice to them? And I'm assuming that has um, um, something to do with like Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, and or Christmas holiday, yada, 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 when it comes to buying gifts. So um, I do want to hear from our listeners on that question. And so that'll be our, our park bench question as well. So um, me, if I am with someone, um, let's just call him John Doe. If I'm with him and he wants to, well, who that, whomever, and he wants to buy his baby mama, a gift for say Mother's Day. We're gonna call her Jane Doe. It needs to be from the children. It doesn't need to be directly from him. In my eyes, my vision. When it comes to Christmas gifts, it needs to be um something from the children. And I don't mean like no negligee or anything like that. Something that doesn't have any type of quote unquote um feelings tied to it. Right. So if you're gonna buy her something like a, a tea kettle, a coffee cup, or something like that here, that's fine. But when it comes to birthdays or Valentine's Day, I don't think you should. It sends mixed messages, especially if you guys are not together. Um I'm going to tell you, if we're not together, don't buy me anything for Valentine's Day. Don't buy me anything for Christmas. Don't buy me anything for my birthday. You can give me something for Mother's Day and then may be like, well, fuck you. I ain't getting you nothing. I don't care. That's how you feel, but that's also how I feel. Don't play with my emotions. Yeah. uh, For me, yeah, I'm kind of along those same lines. Yeah, even um, with the mother of my children, you know, with Valentine's Day come around, yeah, if we're not together, I'm not getting her a gift now Mm. again for mother's day yeah i'll i'll I'll, I'll get her something to say hey it may not be it's not gonna have something with feelings attached but it's you know just say thank you for you know being there for my children thank you for being one of my children you know and leave it there but yeah 
I agree. Yeah. If you if it comes to gifts, yeah, it should not unless for some reason you still have feelings for them or you may feel like you want to, you know, do something or go along that route. Then, yeah, that then. OK, have at it. But, yeah, if y'all are just co-parents, y'all don't set the standard, you know, y'all know where everything sits. Then, yeah, there don't need to be anything that kind of uh, crosses that line. Yeah. Because like you say, yeah, you send a mixed signals. But yeah, if, yeah. if, you're, if it's a co-parent standing and the boundaries are already been set, yeah, I don't think there's nothing wrong with getting them a gift for Mother's Day or Christmas. But like you said, it should be from the children or if mm-hmm. you're going to quote unquote get it for yourself, then yeah, make sure it's something that won't be, they won't look at it and be like, yeah, yeah, they, they you know, think you catch your feelings or something like that. Yeah. Because, you know, Jasmine Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> She said, don't forget to come pick up your feelings, boo. <laughs> they under the tree where you left. <laughs> so I agree. Don't don't send mixed signals. It's a lot of unresolved issues when it comes to relationships when there was passion and love involved. Yeah. And you can get hurt all over again, which in turns, if you are in a relationship, or getting into a relationship makes it harder for that next person. So make sure that your hands are washed on both sides before you move forward into a relationship. I can't stress that more um, more than needed, but it's, it's definitely a healing path that needs to be created in between relationships. I don't see how people jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. That shit is funny and nerve-wracking to me all at the same time. I'm like, how can you do this? Like, clearly it was something in that relationship. You were just with that person. And it's not necessarily a relationship. It goes back to that situationship. And hey, I'm cool with that. That's you do you. But me, if I'm going to say I'm in a relationship, it's going to be purposeful and it's going to be meaningful. So you have when souls get tied, the healing process comes when the souls are untying and they come. That's the whole different subject. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole different subject. The spiritual community understands what I'm talking about, but it's. It's a lot that goes in touch with that. So um, the mental health tip for the day is make sure that your healing path is clean, whether it's with a friendship, is with a relationship, situationship, one night stand on somebody crush you didn't have, whatever it is, make sure you're healing. Huh? Entanglement. And, entanglement, definitely. Um, make sure that your healing path is cleared. Um, you have to go back and forth across that healing path. If it's not bonded the right way, then it's going to break. And that causes trouble. And that's where you have resentment. That's where you're bitter. Or in my case, at the beginning of the show, I was mean because I had a very... <laughs> I had a connection with my phone. <laughs> so, I mean, the bond was tight, so it got broken. But you have to make sure that you have that. Um, it's some people who can't even mention the names of their exes or be in the same room with their exes. And it just hate, bitter friction that goes back and forth. Y'all see it on Mari all the time. But it's like... What? Why can't we sit down and just talk and have a complete sentence? Or where you can't look somebody in the eye, you're unhealed. 
it's still some unresolved issues. So I have no problem with looking anybody in the eye that I know of and telling them anything because I try to make sure that myself is healed. So mental health tip, heal, 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 heal. Um, my financial tip of the day and the last time we spoke, I said buy in bulk, continue to buy in bulk. Um, people up north, they're dealing with a snowstorm, the end of a snowstorm right now. If they would have bought in bulk, they wouldn't have had to rush out to the grocery store. You see what I'm saying? Like your paper products, like that plays on your mental health too. But you know, I digress from that. Um, <laughs> I do, but yeah, just continue to check on each other, help each other, bond to each other, and hold on to that because. Uh, you could be here today, gone today. Not here today, gone tomorrow. The way that this COVID-19 rolling around, here today, gone today. So just hold on and embrace each other and keep your mental healing path clear. What you got? Uh, I just want to um, take this time just again. Um, salute to all the Black kings out there. Um, salute. Salute to the Black princes that are growing up to be kings. Um Again, just make sure that you're one taking care of yourself because if you're not taking care of yourself, there's no way that you can take care of your empire. Exactly. So Definitely. Make sure that, you know, you if you got your if you need to get your financial game up, if you need to get, you know, if you need to get a better job, don't just sit and you know, uh one of the best quotes I've heard and I, I try to live by as much as I can is um goes, if you lay dormant, expect mediocrity. Definitely. So, yeah, if you are just sitting on your heels, going through the monotony day to day, yeah, you're not going to get better. you got to find some way to explain yourself, whether it be with um, getting finance, you know, uh, learning the stock game because stock game is hot right now. Or, um, you know, just, again, finding ways to get multiple streams of income to come in. Uh, yeah, make sure you're taking your take care of yourself and your family as financially as possible. Um, again, I will say this every episode if I need to, fellas. We got to make sure our mental health game is a one. I know it's been like the you know the current hot thing to say, but I'm not saying it just to follow you know the the, the current hot topics. That's something I never want to build commas in the park around. Um. But yes, you definitely need to take the time to get the mental health. If you do not have insurance that can cover um, going to see a therapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist, psych, you know, psychologist, whatever, um, then you need to find alternatives. I'm pretty sure that uh, most uh, Department of Health areas would be able to um, help you find some resources um, to get yourself together as far as that. Um, and if you do have a job, definitely look into your EAP program because they can help you out with, you know, trying to, you know, find the right people that you need. Um, so yeah, definitely be mindful of that. And um, Hell, reach out to us. If you feel yeah. like venting, <laughs> send us an email. If you feel like venting, we'll have a conversation with you. Believe me, this is a safe space. This is a non-biased situation. Um, all feelings get checked at the door. So if you're sensitive or you're too angry, check your feelings at the door. Come here. Let's relax. Let's talk. Let's get some stuff off our chest. So definitely our black men and our non-black men 
have to keep their heads clear and focused. Because um, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned the fact that black men have a target on their back. And I know that y'all seen this meme going around. It's been going around for years. It's been said for years. Like, you have to be your man's piece. You have to be. And it's not the fact that they're pushing the women's issues or problems or questions or feelings to the side. But women have a support system far more greater than men. We have our girlfriends. We have our sisters. We have the chick who does our hair. Like We have a support system where we can go and vent. Men, not so much. They may have one person who they can talk to that's not a female. And we have to be that outlet for them. So embrace him if he's having a rough day. Just hug him. And it ain't no quick hug. Just hug him. Let him take that side, that deep breath in and relax it out. Just be his peace. And I promise you everything else will fall into play. It it has to be. Yeah. And just to, just to follow up on that, yeah, um, I will end with this message of black men we need to take care of our queens um i don't know if anyone have heard this i don't even know if you you heard this Ms. mp but um we had there was an incident that went on in new york where um some brothers were um this woman was on her way home in, in harlem and she stopped by the um liquor store you know to get something to wind down her day after her after their work and there was some brothers there and they ended up, um, you know, just asking her, you know, trying to trying to ask her out or whatever. She declined them. And then one then they continued on by asking um, to or offer to um, buy, you know, whatever she was going to buy. Mm-hmm. She declined. They followed her, beat her up, bit her, pretty much assaulted her in, any, in, in, in all ways, shapes, or form. And, and if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think they did rape her, but they did assault her. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we don't need to let happen. Um, no. Those are not black men. Those are not no. black kings. Yeah those, yeah, those are cowards. Those are wimps. Those are simps, whatever you yeah. want to call them. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, we need to be more mindful. And, again, even if it's someone that you see and you've possibly how you know try to talk to walking down the street and then you see later on that you know something's going on even if you you know even if she shot you down still protect them at the end of the day because again um we know that there is a system out there that despises us would like to see us would would like to see us fall fail become less in numbers Uh um so yeah we need to take care of our queens because one they're like Ms. MVP said, they they can be our peace if we allow them and let them in to do so. And not only that, they're the givers of our children. So yeah, if we're not protecting them, we're we're doing our future generations a discredit. So our children are leeches. <laughs> but um yeah, that that this I think wraps up the um second part of the Black Villa series pretty well. Um, I enjoyed the conversation or slash interview, but <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> but it, but it's all good. Um, yeah, definitely look out for the next episode, which will be on our children, black children. We're talking about them goddamn children. <laughs>
the famous, the famous quote, fuck them kids. <laughs> but we talking about the adult children. Um, why some of us are as jacked up as we are and why some of us are well more well off than some of us are mentally, financially, physically, and as well as the younger ones that are not quite there just yet. And I mean zero to twenty one, not quite there yet. So yeah, yeah. It, it it should be fun. I think that one might be a little bit longer than uh, yeah. We got a got a lot. We got to squeeze in there. And um, as always, uh, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, I will put out there. We're at six subscribers, y'all, on YouTube. We're trying to reach that hundred spot. So tell a friend to tell a friend to to, to support. I got um, I didn't. I hadn't even told you, D, but I have two combos in the park masks for our 100 su- subscribers. So if you're not there yet, um, I'm going to be watching it like a hawk. They're almost done getting made right now. So two combos in the park um, mask will be sent out to our 100 subscribers. So get it out there. Pass the word on. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, definitely. And again, you can find us on anchor you can find us anywhere that you listen to your podcast make sure that you subscribe so you can be caught up on the next episodes you get the notifications let you know when we're putting out everyone that's been following us should know in the 2021 <laughs> yes oh <laughs> oh we- oh i mean cut you off let me tell you how easy it is to find us if you have an alexa device in your house only thing you have to say is alexa and then followed by Play Combos in the Park podcast. The newest episode will pop up. You ain't got to do nothing but sit back, relax. Those of you who are fancy and have Alexa in your car now, you can do it like that. Your phone, Echo devices, what have you. It's just that easy. We'll be right there in your ear talking the hell out of you. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, uh, I, again, everyone that's been listening, we greatly appreciate y'all. Uh, again, just leave that feedback. Oh, and I almost failed to answer to ask this as well, but add this on as well. But if you go to Anchor, you can leave us an audio message. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. So yeah, you can definitely leave us an audio message. Um, and if we get enough, hey, you never know. The next part, bitch, might be featuring you. Oh, that's fancy. Watch out, world. Black excellence dripping. <laughs> oh, we have a new email address also, too. Um, we'll put that on the on the Facebook page and the YouTube and all that other good stuff for you guys. All our contact information so y'all can harass him. Don't come for me. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Yes, and indeed, as always, have you had that convo yet? Are you in that convo yet? Why not? We'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.